This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today, as you can see, if you're listening, you can't see, but I don't have my two sidekicks with me today. Uh, Miss Shelby Gentry is not with me or Mary Gamboa is not with me. We're just too busy this week to record a second podcast together, so I'm having to do it on my own, flying solo, but they'll be back with me again next week. But you can check out Mary's, uh, the album that she has produced and recently put out called Jealous. You can check that out at marygamboamusic.com, or you can stream it anywhere that you listen to your awesome music that you enjoy. And I want to pick up in chapter two where we left off, and and, and we saw in chapter 1 where Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he meets two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew and James and John. And he gives them this invitation to follow him. And th- those four guys, they left everything behind and they immediately followed Jesus. They left their business. They left their way to make money, to pay the bills. They left their boat. They left their nets. They left everything they knew Basically, what we would say is they left their comfort zone. They left their family. They left their father Zebedee there in the boat with the hired servants. They left everything. They walked away from it all to follow Jesus. And in Mark chapter 2, we're going to be introduced to another man that receives also an invitation from Jesus. Jesus has, hey, come follow me. And this guy was hated, literally hated amongst his own brethren, the Jewish population. And this guy is Matthew, the tax collector. And yes, that's why he is hated so much because he is a tax collector. In the New Living Translation, the tax collectors are called the most notorious of sinners. And we'll see that in the verse when we read it here in just a few minutes. But the tax collectors were despised by their own people because, hey, they turned their back on their own people, the Jews, and to work for the Roman government. It, it, they're already putting up with all this Roman oppression, and now their own people are working for the enemy. They're working for the Roman government to collect taxes. And not only that, not only are they working for the enemy, the Roman government, but they are coming to people and they're taking money for taxes for the Roman government. But on the other hand, they're taking more money than they're supposed to collect and putting it in their own pocket. So basically, they are robbing their own people of, of, of money. If you remember the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man was he who climbed up in the sycamore tree to see Jesus, right? When Jesus passed along that way beside him on the road. And Jesus looks up in the tree and tells him to come down that he's going to go eat at his house that day. And Zacchaeus tells Jesus, that he will restore, I think it was twofold, doublefold, whatever, that he will restore all the money that he has taken wrongly from the people and restore it back to them. But my point in that is to show you that how tax collectors robbed from their own people to fill their own pockets. They were very greedy and they got rich the easy way by taking money from their fellow man. So these people were absolutely hated, these tax collectors, and they're not well-liked today. Nobody likes to pay taxes because we could spend that money a whole lot better than our government, right? 
So we want to spend our money the way our hard-earned money the way that we want to. But unfortunately, we have to pay taxes to our government, and they can spend it however they want to. But enough about that. Let's get into this verses. In verse 13 and 14, it says, When Jesus he goes out to the lake shore again, and he taught the crowds that were coming to him. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Levi is Matthew. And he tells Matthew, he says, follow me and be my disciple. And so Levi got up immediately and followed him. He didn't, he didn't have to think about it. He got out of that tax collector's booth and follows Jesus. Now think about what this means. It's just like uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John. He, he's going to leave everything behind. He's going to walk away from that booth. There, he's been he's been collecting taxes. He's been collecting money, and that money more than likely is stored in that booth, and he's walking away from a lot of money. But not only is he walking away from a lot of money, he's walking away from power. He is walking away from the most powerful, influential government in the world at that time. He is leaving a cushion job, what we call a, an easy job, where he makes a lot of money. And he is leaving all of that behind to follow a homeless man who claims to be the Messiah. I mean, there's absolutely huge risk here for Matthew. But isn't that what following Jesus is all about? Uh, in the past, uh, I, I used to, when I was preaching full-time, I used to come up with these acronyms. And I, and I had an acronym uh, that was it, it said, Be a Risk Taker. Be a Risk Taker. And the R-I-S-C, spelled different than R-I-S-K, but R-I-S-C, Be a Risk Taker. And it stood for a Redeemed Instrument Serving Christ. And it came from Romans 6.13, where Paul says, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body, here it is, as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. In other words, be a risk taker, redeemed instrument serving Christ. And these men, Peter and Andrew, James and John, and now Levi or Matthew, they are willing to risk it all. They're willing to leave everything behind to follow this man who claims to be the Messiah. His, his teaching is with authority. He is able to work miracles. And now they have been asked to follow Jesus. Matthew has a great opportunity here. Think about this. To get back in good standing with his people. And to be a part of history that would forever change the world. And it was a huge, huge risk. But you know what? We're all faced with the same challenge because Jesus has thrown out the invitation to follow him. God has sent out the invitation to follow his son Jesus to anyone and everyone that is willing. In Acts chapter 17 verse 30, So having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now proclaiming to mankind that all people everywhere are to repent. That's men and women, young and old. All people everywhere are to repent. Revelation twenty two seventeen. The spirit of the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires take the water of life without cost, because the price has been paid for us by Jesus. John three sixteen and seventeen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes, the invitation is out there to anybody that will be willing to listen and to accept Jesus Christ and follow him. And so the question is, just like Peter and James, John and Andrew, and now Levi, are we willing to give up everything to follow Jesus? Because that's exactly what Jesus demands. Not half-hearted disciples who want to keep one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. No, he wants, he wants us to be all in. Not half-hearted, but all in. You see, we can't have one kingdom. We can't have one hand in the kingdom and one hand in the world. We're either all in or all out. And uh, it makes me think of Peter in John 13 when Jesus begins to wash the disciples' feet and he gets to Peter and Peter says, you're not washing my feet, Lord. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, then I don't have any part of you and you don't have any part of me. And Peter says, well, in that case, don't just wash my feet, but wash my head, wash my body, wash my hand. You wash me all over because I want to be all in. Don't just wash my feet, wash me all over. And that's what Jesus is asking of us today, to be all in. And like we talked about in the, in the last podcast, if we want to see revival in America today, if we want to see revival in the American church today, then we got to be a people who are all in with Jesus. And so as we go on throughout the chapter, we see where Mark gives us a little glimpse, a little insight to a private party at Matthew's house that he has thrown for a lot of his tax collector buddies, his old co-workers, uh, in verses 15 through 17. Here's what Mark writes. He says, Later, Levi, or that's Matthew, invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. So Matthew has sent out an invitation to Jesus and his disciples. And he says, Hey, come over to my house. Go and throw a little food party. Go have some good dinner, some good food going to hang out a little bit and, and you can meet some of my buddies, some of my pals, some of my other tax collector friends. And so he sends Jesus and the disciples this invitation and Jesus accepts. But here's the thing. Uh, Jesus and his disciples are guests at his house. But Mark also adds that there are also many tax collectors there and disreputable sinners, notorious sinners in some versions put it. And then he puts in parentheses, uh, there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and the other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Why is your, why is your rabbi, the one who claims to be the Messiah, why does he eat with such scum? Why does he eat with tax collectors, these notorious sinners, because in their minds, if he was from God, he would know how filthy and nasty and who these people are and how they have betrayed their own and they have stolen money from their very own. Why would he eat with such scum? But that's exactly who Jesus ate with. He ate with anybody. He ate meals with the lowest of the low and he ate meals with the rich and uh, the, the religious leaders. He ate meals with the poor. He ate meals with the middle class. He ministered to anybody and everybody that would listen to his message and accept the work that the Father was doing through him about the kingdom. 
Now, what's funny is to me, to me is that how these guys, these religious leaders, they keep popping up everywhere that Jesus seems to be. They hate Jesus. I mean, they literally despise him. They hate him. They rank him right there with the tax collectors and sinners. They think Jesus is scum as well. They hate that guy, but they are intrigued by Jesus. And what they want to do is they want to catch him uh, stumbling. They want to catch him messing up. They're, they're trying to trap him. They're trying to get him to say something that proves or do something that proves that he is not from God and that he is not the Messiah. So they want to keep their eyes on him. And so it's kind of like they're sending out spies. They're, they always have, they, or at least it seems they always have somebody around wherever Jesus is just so they can keep an eye on him. It's because they're curious. Well, curiosity killed the cat, right? These Pharisees, they, they knew the law like the back of their hand and they could quote scriptures with ease. But here's the thing. These Pharisees who knew the law did not know the one who gave them the law. They claimed to follow God. They claimed to love God. They claimed to serve God. But they did not know the very God who gave them or gave Moses the law that was passed down to them. They, they knew the scriptures, but they didn't know the God of the scriptures. They did not have a faith-based relationship with God. They had a work-based relationship. It was based off of the law. They, they, they thought they could work their way in with good standing with God. And Jesus comes along and, and, and he's talking about this faith stuff and the kingdom of God is open to anybody. And they didn't like that because they had the old covenant that was made between God and Abraham and they were Jews and they, they were not in bondage to any man. And so they didn't like Jesus. They hated Jesus. And Jesus is throwing out this invitation to whosoever will, let them come. And they're like, no, man, it's for the Jews only. And you got to work your way. You got to follow the law. And then they would take the law and interpret the law. And they would make their interpretations even as strong as the law, if not stronger, and bind that upon the people as well. And so Jesus comes along and says, you make people twice the child of hell when you try to convert them. Or you do convert them. And so they, 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 my point is they hated Jesus. And they ranked Jesus right up there with the scum, these tax collectors. Why? Because they, they had these misconceptions about who the Messiah was going to be. And so because of their misconceptions, they missed, 100% missed who Jesus was, God in the flesh. They they knew the scriptures and they knew them well, but they did not know the God of the scriptures. They did not know about the God who would leave his throne and come down to this earth and put on flesh and walk among men for three to three and a half years, even though there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus. And they knew those prophecies very well, but they missed it. They didn't get it. But you know who did get it? The scum what they labeled scum, the notorious sinners, fishermen, tax collectors, other people of that kind. What kind? Scum. Scum of the earth, according to the Pharisees, the lowly, the rejected, the outcast, the poor, those who were rejected by their society. That's who Jesus accepted. He said those who need a physician don't even realize they're sick. But those who realize they're sick, the physician is here, and I am the physician. Here's the thing. If you want to be a real rebel, if you want to go against the grain, 
then go, go with Jesus because Jesus goes against everything that culture and society believes and preaches. If you want to stand out of the crowd, go with Jesus. And I guarantee you, you will immediately stand out. You will immediately be hated. People will be coming against you because they will hate Jesus that lives inside of you. See, here's the difference between religious leaders and the scum that they claim to be scum. Here's the difference between the religious leaders and the scum that have decided to follow Jesus. Verse 17, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So here's the difference. The scum realized that they needed a savior. They realized that they have sin in their lives and they can't do anything about it. Therefore, they need some way to have their sins forgiven. And they knew the Messiah would take care of that. They knew Jesus, who was preaching the repentance of sin, would take care and deliver them of their sin. But these religious leaders, they can't even admit that they have sin. Therefore, there was no need for a savior. They, they thought they were already in good standing with God. And Jesus comes along and says, no, you're not saved. You, you, you're not following God. You are not a part of the kingdom. Just because you made a covenant between that, that, that went all the way back to Genesis 12 between God and Abraham, it's not going to cut it. If you want to get to, to God the Father, you got to come through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. John chapter 14, verse 6. We are releasing the sound Cause the lost generation to be found all you Grinded Podcast listeners, I know you enjoy some good music, but I want to tell you about some awesome music. Now, my friend, Mary Gamboa, she's also the worship leader at the church where I worship, called Authentic Church here in Alcoa, Tennessee. We'd love to invite you to come out and check us out sometime when you get a chance. Start at 10 a.m. and we're on Lindsay Street here in Alcoa. Mary has produced a new album called Jealous, and you can check that out anywhere music is being streamed. But you can also check it out at marygamboamusic.com. That's marygamboamusic.com. Go check that out. Their misconceptions, they could not get past, and they missed it. They missed Jesus. They were expecting this government leader, this a military leader who would deliver them from the Roman oppression, but instead they got a, a man who was dressed in regular clothes who was homeless. He didn't even own a home. He, he just traveled around from place to place, village to village. He slept wherever he could in somebody else's house. He hung out with the town drunks. He, he went to parties with despised people. He hung out with prostitutes and the destitute. He walked on Samaritan soil, and he had conversations with the outcast at the well. And by the way, Jesus wants to hang out with you. There's a place at his table for you and for me. And the invitation has already been sent out. All we have to do is say yes to the invite. That's all we got to do is say yes to Jesus and start walking with him. And he will come and hang out with us scum. How about that? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Jesus, that your blood washes our sin away and makes us whiter than snow and puts us in good standing with God the Father. So Jesus is asked a question about fasting. 
And in particular, he's asked why his disciples did not fast since the religious leaders were fasting as well as John the Baptist's disciples. Remember, John the Baptist come up before Jesus preaching repentance, preaching that the kingdom of God is at hand. And now uh, the kingdom of God is here because Jesus' ministry has now started. John is about to be beheaded pretty soon. John will be out of the way. But for now, John is still preaching repentance in the kingdom of God. And his, he has followers as well. And his followers evidently were fasting and the religious leaders fasted so this is really a legitimate question to ask Jesus because fasting was a huge part of the Jewish faith or Judaism because in, in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount I believe it's in Matthew chapter 5 Jesus says when you fast not if you fast but when you fast and so he he assumed then that the Jews that's who he was talking to at the time were they were already fasting and Jesus even makes the comment in verses 19 through 22. He says, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. In other words, he's saying, here's why my disciples don't fast. It's because I'm here. I got a mission to go on. But there will be a day, in verse 20, he says that someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Besides, who will patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch will shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger terror than before. And no one puts new wine in the old skins, for the wine would burst the wine skins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. Nobody wants to lose their wine. Nobody wants to spill their alcohol. It costs too much money. New wine calls for new wine skins. Well, what's he talking about here? He's talking about a patch for clothing and wine skins. When I was younger, when I was a kid, I used to just wear out clothes left and right. My mom would get somebody, because I played a lot of sports, and I was very active, and skateboarded and things like that. So I, I would tear holes in my jeans, and my mom would go get a patch, those iron-on patches, and cover up this big old hole that I made in my knees, right? And, and my jeans would be uh, worn and faded, and she would put this iron-on patch over the hole, iron that sucker on, and it would be so blue, it just stood out amongst my britches. You know, that's the first, your eye, if you looked at me, that's where your eye went. It went down to my knees to see those big blue patches that my mom had ironed on my faded, worn out blue jeans. You see, those pants should have been trash and mom should have just got me a new pair, but she didn't. She, she took the old pair and put this new patch on it to cover up the holes and they stood out. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying there's an old way of doing things. That old way was good, and it worked for a long time, but there's a new way coming soon. In fact, it's already here because I am here. There's not going to be a need to follow the law uh, to, the, to the T because I'm going to nail the penalty of wrongdoing to the cross. I'm going to nail the penalty of your sin because that's what the law did. It revealed what sin is and was. And Jesus said, I'm going to nail your sin to the cross. I will fulfill the law. I'm going to do what the law could not do, and that is forgive sins. There's not going to be any more needs of making sacrifices to cover sin because I'm going to be the final sacrifice, and my blood that I shed willingly will wash away every sin completely. Because the law couldn't forgive sins. All those sacrifices, the millions of sacrifices that were made, only covered sins. They could never wash away sin. They only covered sin. And God overlooked the penalty. But now Jesus, our Passover lamb, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, is 
been slain for us and his blood is so powerful it washes away our sin it's never remembered against us that penalty has been taken off of us and put on jesus and he nailed it to the cross and our sins are not remembered against us anymore they are washed away as far as the east is from the west the bible says hallelujah praise the lord for the blood of jesus amen it's the same thing with the wineskins they drink wine in their culture it's not like our culture where people just drank alcohol to get drunk and get wasted. No, they drank wine because the water was horrible. That's why Paul tells Timothy, drink some wine for your stomach's sake. It was for medicinal purposes as well. But they drank wine in their culture because the water was horrible. And so when, when you make wine, there's a fermentation process. And during this process, the wine skins, they would swell up. And so if they were to take old wineskins and reuse them, they risk the danger of when, when the fermentation process was going on and that stretching process came along, the old wineskins couldn't handle the pressure and they would burst. And so they lost their wineskins and they lost their wine. Uh, and so they, uh, what they would do is they would discard, they would throw away the old wineskins or use them for something else. They would repurpose those things and they would take a new wine skin and start their fermentation process inside of a new wine skin. So when the fermentation process was doing its thing and that stretching process came along, that new wine skin would stretch during that fermentation process and not burst. It, it was able to handle the pressure until it was completely done and the wine would be fermented. Well, again, the idea here is that the old way cannot get the job done. Sins were only covered, not washed away completely. And when Jesus forgives sins, like I mentioned a while ago, they are completely forgiven, and the penalty of our sins are not held against us. And we did a study. You can go back and listen to those podcasts. I covered the whole book of Hebrews. It was an awesome study. Um, you can go back and listen to those anytime that you get a chance. I'm, I promise you, you will enjoy that study, the book of Hebrews. But the book of Hebrews covers the concept of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant, the Old Law, the Tabernacle, and what was done in the temple versus what Jesus has done. And the way Hebrews starts off is God has spoken to us in times past through prophets and through all these ways, but now he speaks to us through his Son. In other words, all that old stuff, it, it, it can't save you. There's a new way. There's a new covenant. And it's through Jesus Christ. So go back and check out the study I did on the book of Hebrews. And you will thoroughly enjoy it. I promise you. Now, I, I think another point that Mark uh, is making here is that people need to let go of some of the old things that they've been taught their whole life. They've been taught some things in the past that's not correct. And they've made that the gospel, kind of like what the Pharisees have done with the law. And they're not willing to, to let go. They're not willing to read God's word. I mean, they've been taught something by a preacher or by a certain teacher, and they think that's the gospel truth when it's not correct. Read the Bible for yourself and see what God has to say, not what man has to say. Don't just take a preacher's word for it. Get in the word for yourself and study it and learn what thus saith the Lord. Um, for, let me give you an example. You hear all the time, cleanliness is next to godliness. People say that all the time, but that's not in the Bible. There's all kinds of things 
that I've been taught over the years. Um, but since I've been really in the past three years studying the Bible for this podcast, it, it's really opened my eyes to some things that, that, that I've learned in the past. It's not necessarily correct, and it's opened my eyes to a, a new way of thinking. Um, but this is exactly what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, the religious leaders, they, they could not get past this stuff. They could not let go of the old stuff. They, they, they could not comprehend that Jesus is the new covenant. And he is the new way. He is the Messiah they've been looking for for over 400 years. He is here. And now they're because of their preconceived ideas and their misconceptions, they can't get past that old stuff. And they reject Jesus. And they eventually have him crucified on a cross. And these Pharisees, these religious leaders, they came up with all these traditions. And that's what Jesus would always challenge. Not the law, but their interpretation of the law. And we see this all through the Gospels when they have an interaction with Jesus, like in the, in the case that's at the end of Mark chapter 2, in verses 23 through 28. It says, One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. They were hungry. They were just grabbing some grain and munching down on it. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the Scripture what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was the high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Well, first of all, why are the Pharisees even around to see what the disciples are doing? Because, like I said earlier at the beginning of the podcast, I think they're sending out spies so they can keep their eyes on Jesus so they can catch him doing something like they thought they did here. Why are your disciples breaking uh, this grain and eating this grain, harvesting grain, working on the Sabbath? And why are you allowing them to do that? And so they're just waiting for this opportunity to pounce on Jesus and prove to everybody that he is not the Messiah, but they could never do that. I mean, think about it. Is it really a big deal that his disciples were hungry and as they're walking by a grain field or walking through a grain field, they pluck off a, a, a thing of grain and eat it? Is that really a big deal? No, but the Pharisees, these Bible thumpers, it was a big deal to them because they think they are the standard, not God. They think they are the standard. They think that they are the examples of God for the people to follow, but it is them who don't care anything about the common person. Remember when, when the Pharisee, Jesus talks about the Pharisee and the, the sinner who was in the temple praying. The Pharisee was looking up to heaven. And he's saying this fancy prayer and, and you got the, the sinner over there and he's beating on his chest. He won't even look up. He's got his head bowed to the ground. He's beating his chest and telling God to have mercy on him because he's a sinner. And the Pharisee's over there and he's saying this eloquent prayer and he's saying, I thank God that I'm not like this sinner over here. You know, this scum, this this tax collector, this dumb fisherman. I'm glad I'm not like this scum over here. But what he don't realize is that he's scum because he's, he is in sin and he can't even admit that he is in sin. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, they didn't care anything about the common man. There was no grace. There was no mercy. There, there was no compassion for the common man. And 
they could not stand Jesus because he was right opposite of them. Here was God in the flesh showing the very true nature of God, a God of love, agape love, unconditional love. And that's exactly how Jesus loves everybody unconditionally. There are no conditions put on us when it comes to God's love. But the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they put all kinds of conditions on God's love. And if you want to be accepted, you had to be a certain way, live a certain way, be of a certain status, do certain things. And, and Jesus is like, you, you guys just don't get it. There's no big deal to my disciples breaking off some grain and eating it because they're hungry. And so he gives an example to, to them that they can't refute because they respected David greatly. And he says, hey, look, what about David when he went in, in, into the tabernacle and, and he, he grabbed the bread that was specifically meant only for the priests to eat? And David stole that bread and took off and gave that bread to his men and they ate. Why? Because they were starving. They're out in the wilderness and they're hungry. And that was the only place they could get some food. But what did, what did God say about David? He's a man after my own heart. David was the most respected king in all of Israel. And here he is stealing bread and he's giving it to his buddies. And God did not condemn him. And that's what Jesus is telling these Pharisees who cannot even admit that they are in sin. And they're condemning the disciples for nothing. They're, con they're condemning these disciples because they're breaking their traditions, not, not, not the law of God. And, and Jesus is saying, look, man, there's got to be some grace. There's got to be some mercy. There's got to be compassion. You guys don't have any of that toward the common man. You got it wrong. You got it backwards. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Pharisees were constantly taking their beliefs, their convictions, imposing their convictions onto other people and making it way too hard on the people to serve God. Now, I, I, as I end the podcast, I'll give you a, a modern day example. I used to have a conviction about wearing hats in churches. You know, I've told, I was told all my life, you don't wear hats in churches. I was told all my life, you don't wear a hat at the dinner table. This was hard for me because... I was a meat department manager. I was a butcher. And you, by state law, you, it was mandatory. You either wear a hairnet or a hat. I wasn't about to wear a hairnet. I chose to wear a hat. So every day of my life, I automatically wore a hat. So I was used to wearing a hat. I wore a hat everywhere I went, even after work. And I still wear hats. I've got a hat on right now. So for all of my life, I have worn a hat just about everywhere I go. But I had this conviction that I would take my hat off like one time I was delivering some lumber to a church and I took my hat off and put it down at the door. And after I delivered the wood and come back out, I picked up my hat, put it back on. My buddy's like, dude, what are you doing? Why are you taking your hat off? I'm like, because I'm walking in church. But he's like, it's just a church. It's just a building. There's nothing holy about this building. But my conviction was you don't wear a hat in a church building. There's nothing wrong with wearing a hat in a church building. But, and I could have easily have passed that conviction on to my friend and made him take his hat off. I didn't do that. I did not pass my convictions on to my friend. But that's exactly what the Pharisees did. They interpreted the law, and then they took their interpretations, and they made them binding on the people. They took their convictions 
and they placed it upon the people and they made it so hard for the common man to serve God. And now you know, you've got uh, Jesus coming along and he's challenging their beliefs. He's challenging uh, what, their actions. They're trying to challenge Jesus, but Jesus would always turn it back on them and they could not handle it. There are people who to this day have a major problem with letting go of things they've been taught, things of old, things that are traditions and not of God. And I just want to scream out, get over it, people. Let it go. Get with Jesus. Get with the program. He's the real deal. Don't take your convictions and place it upon somebody else and make it their convictions. Let these people serve God. Let them read the word of God and figure it out for themselves. Have some grace, have some mercy, and have some compassion. The Pharisees didn't. Jesus did. I want to follow Jesus. I don't want to be like a Pharisee. I don't want to be like the Sadducees. I don't want to be like the religious leaders. I want to be like Jesus. And that's basically what Jesus is telling these Pharisees in Mark chapter 2. Get over it and get with a new way of serving God. Get over yourselves, people, and serve the Lord. Look at your own life. Look at the sin in your own. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. Look at your own sin. Quit looking at other people and what they're doing. Look at yourself and make sure that yourself is right with God. That's exactly what these Pharisees could not do. They wanted to point out everybody else's faults and what everybody else is doing wrong when they couldn't even look in their own life and admit that they had sin in their life and they missed it. They missed the kingdom of God because they could not get past their preconceived ideas and, and their misconceptions and they missed Jesus. Don't miss Jesus because you can't let go of something from the past. Move on, get over it, and get with Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for watching. Thank you for sharing the Grinded Podcast with your friends and your family, your coworkers, whoever. God bless you and keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grinded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegrindedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, Leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you, and remember, keep grinding.